Welcome to the Head First Podcast. My name is Joe O'Brien and I'm a health psychologist in training. I'm the founder of Head First, so if you have any professional inquiries, you can contact me through my website, headfirst.ie, or through my Instagram, which is headfirstzero. I hope you enjoy the podcast. So today I am joined by Dr. Sarah O'Rose, qualified counselling psychologist, also has some other training in CBT and what we're going to be speaking about today specifically is CBT and investigating a little bit about what it is and what it's useful for, what it's maybe not useful for and just kind of diving into the topic because it is a hot topic. Um, I guess the best place to start is probably with you Sarah if that's Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Um, Can you maybe introduce yourself for people who don't know you? Sure. Like you said, my name is Dr. Sarah Rose. I'm a counseling psychologist here in Ireland. Um, I was raised in Canada though, so I did my doctorate here in Ireland. I did my master's in Vienna in counseling psychology, but the counseling was advanced CBT. Okay. Yeah. So I have the knowledge, um, and you're right, it's a hot topic, so (laughs) it's going to be a fun dive. Okay, cool. Let's dive into it then. So... You did counseling psychology as a master's specifically in CBT. That is the yep. kind of um, the approach that they taught specifically. Specifically, yes. And so you went on to do a doctorate in counseling psychology yes. here, yep. which isn't just one approach. Right? No, no. So can you tell me a bit about the other approaches that you might have touched on? So, yes. Yeah, so my master's was two years, just to kind of elaborate. It was advanced training in the original Beckian CBT. So that's kind of your basic cognitive behavioral therapy. It's where it all came from. And so for two years, that was the counseling skills that we were given. Nothing else, person-centered, but nothing else than that. Then when I got to the doctor in counseling psychology, we did get CBT. We got more advanced CBT as well. We got a unified protocol CBT. We got, you know, DBT as well. Dialectical behavior came from CBT as well. And we got a lot of that, but what I guess grabbed me after that was the emotional focus therapy um, and psychodynamic approaches. So that's anything we went from feminist theory to um, attachment based to Lacanian. We did it all. So a lot. Okay. So I guess from the time that you started, you went in trained in CBT. I know a lot from hearing people online, speaking with people online, that some people are like, you know, just CBT. CBT is the way. Um, when you were going into a doctorate that is going to teach you a number of different ways, yeah. what are you thinking there? Are you like, oh, well, you know, I know CBT or I want to focus on CBT or like, do you have to be open-minded? How did you kind of go into that with your soul training in CBT? I think that's such a good question because um, I think all my colleagues that were in my year will know this quite well. Um, you do, I went in feeling quite like I've mastered CBT and I get CBT. And so all the CBT that I got additional was just great and wonderful and it was more elaborate, but it kind of took me a while to open up to the other theories, to the other modalities. Like it took me a while to understand emotion focused therapy until I started working in it. And it took me a while to move from the CBT principle of the here and now and look at psychodynamic, which is all that behind the scenes processing, family dynamics, all of that. 
So I want to say that I was open, but I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little hesitant and apprehensive about the other ones. But now I actually work more psychodynamically and emotion focused than I do CBT. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. What has changed in that time? In like going in a day one being like, you know, I know CBT. Yeah. Introduced with all these other ideas and other approaches. Yep. What has changed, do you think, in that time for you? I think it's such a good question. And I think what happened was learning about the backstory, the background, the processing, the dynamics, the relationships. Learning about that just enticed me. And when I started applying it, so I think the application part was what grabbed me. When you are listening to some theories, it's really hard to kind of go, how does this work? But when you start applying it in therapeutic relationships, I enjoyed knowing the developmental history of people, the dynamics, the relationships, the parallel, the transference, the counter-transference. I could see how that works and I got a lot more information and so I kind of now I say kind of I still will work in a CBT modality when me or the client seems it fits so okay but I am quite attachment based emotion focused at this stage so you talked about how difficult theories are to understand yes maybe as a basic principle for people who are listening can you kind of explain firstly what cbt is i probably should have preempted the podcast with saying it's cognitive behavioral therapy yes but that's what cbt stands for can you maybe describe a little bit about like you said you were trained in the classic beck version yeah can you maybe explain just a little bit about what that entails for people who have never heard of it yeah so cbt is the whole point of CBT is it's BT, the behavioral therapy, mixed with CT, the cognitive therapy. And so the core idea of the cognitive therapy is that it's that people's emotion, reactions, and behaviors are strongly influenced by their cognitions. So their thoughts, beliefs, interpretations about themselves or, or situations. So it's really the thought process behind an event that has happened to you. Um, and the idea behind CBT is that everyone reacts differently to a situation. Now they mix CB, CT, cognitive, with behavioral. And the behavioral part is really important as well, which is it considers behavior as a crucial aspect to maintaining the change of psychological states. So it's looking at, right, so you had a thought or an interpretation of a situation, and then your actions, your behaviors, they're maintaining that anxious thought level or process. So the principles are rather simple. And I think that's why CBT is quite widely known. I think it's quite easily interpreted. I think it's it's used in so many areas. But I think it's about kind of looking at the fact that one, they have a continuum principle. So CBT believes that psychological states aren't um, pathological. We're not just like all of a sudden you have anxiety disorder. They kind of look at it as a continuum spectrum. So along the line, we're all sometimes a bit anxious, but there's going to be situations that kind of almost spike that anxiety. And so we move further along the, the spectrum. And then the main principle is the here and now. This is how CBT works. 
it is the fact that the psychologist is looking psychologist therapist counselor is looking at the present moment and the main concerns are the processes currently maintaining the problem rather than the processes that might have led to its development over the years so that's the big difference okay so it's it's focused on the present the present what is going on right now yeah exactly so with that that is from from my understanding and I, i can't say i've been trained to the same level but from my understanding, that's quite different to some of those other approaches. Absolutely. What is the big difference there? Is there, you know, what's the importance of, do you think, incorporating some of the other stuff? You said, obviously, it's client dependent and, and mm, depending yeah. on yeah. what the situation is. But what is the value in including it? And, and even what's the value in, in not including some of those past experiences or the reason why you got to where you are? Yeah, so I think that... You know, one thing is that the CBT is an interactive systems. So they, the, the, the theory behind CBT is that interactive system. So we're on a podcast, so it's very hard. So you're going to have to imagine with me. But <laughs> there's kind of like a lot of people call the uh, vicious cycle, the vicious flower, the hot cross bun, um, bubbles I've, I've, oh, there's I've so many the there's so actually. many yeah, okay. but it's kind of looking at one bubble is on the outside and that's your environment that's the situation something happened to you um or you're in a bad environment something is there that then will contribute to your thoughts and you know the here and now is what gives us that whole situation so kind of a basic thing is, you know, fears of transport. With CBT, I need to use an example that's happened to you recently. So a client will come in going, well, yesterday I thought, okay, I'll get on the bus. I got on the bus, I started sweating. And once I started sweating, I realized that I'm getting hot. I'm not okay. I'm, everyone's looking at me. I need to get off. I need to get off. Okay. With that situation, that's the here and now. Let's talk about it. What was your thoughts? What did you do? I got off. Right at the second bus stop, I got off. I know I was supposed to be on on it for 15 stops, but I got off it two stops later. Okay, what were you feeling? Scared? I was feeling upset. I was tearful. And then were there any physiological symptoms as well? I was sweating. I was flushed in the face and things like that. When we bring in that here and now into the therapeutic relationship, we're looking at that hot crust bun. Situation, bus. Thoughts, everyone's looking at me. They can see that I'm sweating. Behavior, get off. Emotions, I'm upset, I'm crying, I don't feel good. Physiological, I'm sweating, I'm palpitating, I, I had to calm down. Okay, so the, this, the external environment, I guess, or the situation is where all these things take place. All of them, yes. And then what you're saying there is your thoughts and your interpretations of the event impact your behavior, impact your physical symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so that's a situation where like present is very kind of present focused. Yeah. yeah. Is there a big need or is there kind of, is it very important that you dive back into old things or know where that came from in that circumstance? Yeah, well, that is... Probably debatable. <laughs> that is debatable. That's the hot topic there. And I think that... From both sides, you know, we can talk about it from one side going, you know, is this new? You know, is this new to you? Have you 
been okay up until all of a sudden the bus was a really tough time. Um, was there an accident that happened to you on the bus, right? Sometimes it's, I was fine until one day my groceries fell out of my bag and they went everywhere and it was a whole scene and teenagers were laughing at me. You know, it could be a, a, a big event. Or, and this is the assessment part, it's going, has there always been a little bit of uncomfortable uneasiness with transports? You know, and you can look at that and in other situations, if you're looking at kind of that processing, that developmental piece, you know, tell me about what it was like riding the bus as a kid. You know, is there some more traumatic incidents that happened to you back in the day that's now leading up to this event? So I think it's a little bit about an assessment where it's kind of going, did this come out of, you know, kind of almost thin air? Um, or has this actually been a difficulty for you for a while now? Okay, so with CBT, you might use that yeah. if you know there hasn't maybe been a history of or like a, a reason to delve back into some of that old stuff. Absolutely. Whereas another approach might be helpful if it has stemmed from something else. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So with that, right, there is a lot of kind of people often talk to me about the evidence behind CBT and yes. if you assess CBT you will find lots of evidence for it absolutely um what are some of the I guess what are some of the things that CBT has a really good evidence base for so there's kind of what I and maybe an old professor of mine used to call it's the holy trinity it's got huge evidence for three things depression anxiety with anxiety is panic health anxiety, social anxiety, and OCD, and anger. It's got a vast, vast, huge amount of evidence for the Holy Trinity. Okay. Now, it does lack in a bit of some personality disorders. It does lack in, you know, maybe schizophrenic, bipolar, mood, some other mood disorders, some other personality disorders, some other cognitive um, disorders as well. So it's, again, there's still evidence there, but I think that they're, their greatest achievement as CBT is the Holy Trinity, depression, anxiety, and anger. And why do you feel like that, oh, when I say you feel like, it's obviously represented <laughs> it in, in the research, but why specifically for those things is it so strong, do you think? Because, so CBT is based on another principle that is the empirical principle. So CBT believes that theories need to be evaluated rigorously. So because of that, they have been able, so CBT and why it's so kind of replicable, replicable in um, all these studies is because they can teach it to a lot of people. It's structured. It's super, super structured. It's like, here's a treatment plan. Follow it. Session one, session two, session three, session four. So they've applied this to random con controlled trials and, you know, therapists that haven't ever had CBT training before, um, counselors, psychologists, whether they have or they haven't, they've all been taught how to go one by one by one. Okay, so it's, is, it, it's, it's structured to the point where it's like the therapist knows what they're doing going in. Yeah, and, and the whole session is structured. Okay. So it's, it's wonderful. It's a huge theory for studies, for research, because you can just come continuously replicate it and that's a huge piece so it's a massive advantage to be able to do that massive, in, in massive. research yes is that part of the reason why 
there is so much evidence for yes. it because it's structured and replicable. Absolutely. We can't do that in psychodynamic. Like if you, if you do attachment based work, um, or if you do kind of, if you work from a, like a feminist theory or a Lacanian theory, there is no kind of, here's what, what session one, two, three, four, five is, is because their kind of main theory is you're going with the client okay. and you're taking the client's pace. That that doesn't happen it doesn't CBT. work. It okay. doesn't work in studies. And that's simply CBT's massive advantage. Now, I will say this because it's a hot topic. EFT is growing up in regards to their studies. They have started to be quite a replicable, replicable theory as well. Um, and they're also gaining a lot, a lot of um, positive research on their efficacy to depression and anxiety as well. Okay. So, so why is the structure of that, why, why is doing something so structured like that helpful? Like for the, those, those, the Trinity or, mm-hmm, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, why is having a structure there so important or, or is it kind of beneficial in that regard? Is it that, you know, the presentations of those things are quite similar, therefore a structure just can be used? Yeah. Well, I think in regards to the, the depression, anxiety and, and anger, you know, that sort of structure. Now it's structured in session, but it's structured outside of session. You know, CBT is collaborative. That's a, that's a huge part of CBT. The client's got to be on board. You know, there's a lot of homework in there. So while they're doing a lot of maybe in vivo work, which is kind of like in-house exposure work, if they've got, you know, a phobia to spiders or something, and they're kind of working on looking at pictures of spiders, how is your anxiety? It's a lot of evaluation. So when the session is structured, you can kind of take the client with you, help the client see, you know, okay, so your anxiety was this, but now it's this and now it's really low. Okay, let's look at that. So you're really focused on one aspect for how many sessions, you know, the therapist decides and it's, it's, hyper-focused on that situation so and you can measure change then you can measure change and that's a huge part of why cbt is widely known but also research right you can measure you can measure anxiety by levels you can measure ocd through exposure you can measure you know anger through like you know how angry did you get and how little angry did you get it's very evaluative and clients are able to take it home with them so it's not just in-house work. CBT, and I think this is really important, is collaborative. That means it's like 50-50 work. You know, the, the, the therapist in the session is going to really help you learn, learn about your anxiety, learn about what you can do, and give you exercises and, and homework that you then take home and you work on. So super structured, mm-hmm. um, collaborative, has like proper homework. Um, Therapists, nearly therapists and, and client probably know from you know session one or two like what the the structure is going to look like. Absolutely. When is that not helpful, or when is that maybe not as appropriate? It's probably not as appropriate when we're talking about you know relationships, um, or childhood adversity, developmental 
difficulties. Um, it, it might not be helpful if for a while you've had anxiety and maybe it's more generalized rather than, you know, one sit, one situation. Um, what is the, what is the benefit of going out of the, the structure? So like you said, you practice like psychodynamically, yes, you use yeah. EFT. What's the, the benefit of, of going outside of that structure for you? Like you're in session and you realize, okay, this client needs something that is outside of this structure that I would, that might yeah. normally be followed. Yeah. What's, what's the benefit there? I think the benefit is that when it's not structured, I get to have, and, and the client gets for us to kind of go, oh, okay, um, that relationship with your mom seems really tricky. Let's, let's look at that. Let's process that relationship. And so we can talk about past events. We can talk about emotions that were, you know, um, that were created throughout that relationship. We can talk about bringing certain processes, certain projections, certain transferences into the awareness of the client. So I don't know how cognitive behavioral therapy is going to help a client when their situation is, let's say, you know, I have a very tough relationship with my mother and I live with her. How are we going to get rid of that? You know, how, you know, what cognitive or behavioral things are you going to do that can change that environment. Not much if the client can't move out or you know can't do that. So it's kind of about giving the client a space to talk about that, to process some of the emotions that they might be feeling in the house and to then give them some sort of awareness and, and reflection um, space for them to go back and go, right, this is my situation, but it doesn't mean that it defines me or something like that. You know. Right. The idea of, I think, other psychotherapy modalities is that there is space for exploration. So quite flexible by the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, in terms of exploration and kind of inviting some of those old experiences, you mentioned EFT and yeah. from what I know of EFT, I have uh, okay knowledge of EFT. <laughs> Part of it includes kind of not necessarily bringing up, but processing some of those maybe old emotions that are quite difficult, yeah. but bringing them into yeah. a session and being able to kind of work through them. Yeah. What's the value in, in that? Because that's a question I get all the time okay. from clients that they will often say, you know, I can't change the past. So yeah. why would I bother speaking? About yes. It? Yeah. Yeah. What is the value in, in maybe another kind of modality of therapy aside from CBT that does maybe allow for some of that flexibility and, and yeah. exploration of old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that that, what you said is just so, so, so poignant because the amount of times that I have heard, what's the point of talking about emotions? What's the point of me talking about my relationships? Um, is just like, it, there's, you can't count how many times I get that. So I think that and what I say to my clients is um, really, I understand. I understand that you feel like there's no point in looking at the emotion piece or the relationship piece or the, the processing piece of that relationship event, whatever, childhood adversity. But we can't really escape our emotions is what I've noticed through work, is what I've heard from other colleagues is that those emotions are going to bubble up somehow, 
right? We kind of kind of say bottling up. What are you bottling up? Probably not bottling up so many thoughts. Thoughts change. They they can delete themselves. They can, you know, become biased. They can, you know, become different. But our emotions are usually quite sticky and they're going to stick to us. So if you were hurt as a child, that's not gone. And depending on what modality your therapist works in, I believe that emotions are really, really important. So I believe that giving a space for that childhood experience of pain is really important for the adult you today, let's say. Because you've got a space where you're hearing it for the very first time. Because I think that's what, you know, people are saying, oh, like, I don't have to deal with that. That's in the past. But it might be coming up in different relationships. You know, your relationship with... Yeah, your relationship with your mother, all of a sudden, you and your girlfriend, it's kind of looking like you and your mom. You know, maybe we need to look at that. It might come out in different ways. Projection happens, right? Where you feel something, but you're telling others that they're feeling it. So there... I feel that there's definitely an importance in the emotion in the processing of past experiences because you finally get a space where you get to say that was not fair what happened to me and it was really hurtful it was really painful and you're validating your own experiences so we're not putting it in the past going who cares it's in the past you've brought it into the present your adult self is going hey that was rough and I'm really sorry that you went through that. It's almost like what you're describing there is almost like if there was a, a response back then or if there was an experience back then that was wrong, it's almost like giving yourself the chance to write it. Exactly. You're reconstructing kind of how you treat yourself because I think we, you know, we're human, we're, we're complex. And so I think it's, it's so easy for us to kind of live in a world where it's like, oh, well, I've been treated badly, so I'm just going to criticize myself because everyone's criticized me, so clearly I've got something wrong, so I'm just going to keep criticizing myself. But while you're doing that, you're feeling rotten, you're feeling horrible, you're not feeling good about yourself, you're not getting sleep, you know, so on and so on. nothing really changes. And nothing really changes. And so the whole point of kind of reconstructing or the whole point of looking at it, even looking at it, exploring it, seeing it, I think it brings awareness for clients to kind of go, oh, wow, that, I never actually realized that that's actually huge. So I think that in that case, I understand when they come to me and they say, Sarah, I don't want to look into the past. Um, I get it. I would assess to see, look, is this, you know, a new anxiety, a new kind of phobia or does something stem from back then? And I would talk to my client. I would say, look, you know, this looks brand new. Sounds like you've got great relationships. Sounds like you're very supported. Maybe we do a CBT type of way and focus on your fear of transport. I'll go with the same example. Or if I'm kind of going, look, it sounds like that fear of transport has something to do with your parents' relationship and them kind of using it as a place to kind of argue you know, do you want to maybe talk about that and kind of unravel that to see if it has anything to do with today's fear of transport? So it's a bit of an assessment and it might take some convincing for clients. Yeah, um, I think so. But ultimately, like, like you're saying, it is about 
unraveling that with the client if they're if they're open to it it's not like another question uh, i think i did a, a podcast a while ago on people's biggest fears of therapy and one of them was like afraid to open up a can of worms or yeah. afraid to like go there essentially yeah. and i think the important piece that you're talking about there is if they're comfortable or if that's where they want to yeah. go like they'll yeah. never be pushed down that no route. no 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 yeah. no god no no but i think as well it's just about kind of understanding that when you do open that can of worms they don't all come pouring out yeah you know I, that's the fear that they're all going to come out but usually it's actually kind of one by one two by two and you know have a good relationship with your therapist because they're they're going to contain you they're going to help you put that can back together again before yeah. you leave so i think it's just also important to say that it's a fear yeah, yeah. <laughs> fear that, that the kind of worms <laughs> yes. will be okay yeah. with that um so there's obviously flexibility there in terms of the the approach mm-hmm. can you talk to me about the term integrative or like integrating different theories because yes. that's something that i would be quite interested in because I feel like with certain things, there is no, for example, there's no CBT structure for a, every single presentation, yeah. right? Yeah. In some instances, sometimes one approach might be right, but then the next session you might do like a different approach. Can you tell me about like integration and how that might work for a therapist? So I guess integrative is kind of exactly what the word is. It's taking kind of different models different theories and kind of using them at the time that it feels right or the client might be needing it um, or you might be needing it to formulate or get a bigger picture um, so some people are purists and that's kind of a known thing some therapists are purists so they're kind of like nope cbt nope eft nope lacanian so they don't venture throughout and that's still there's Great research on that, again. But I think the integrative piece is also wonderful because you've got probably a therapist or, or a psychologist that's kind of going, you know, we're going to kind of keep things on the shelf. And when something comes up in therapy, we might need to take it out of the shelf. So the only thing that I can kind of, when I'm thinking about client work, is I had a client who kind of came in and had a very bad experience with a pure EFT counselor. And so emotional focus therapy uses a lot of chair work, right? And so she came in and she was like, never do that to me, not doing chairs. I was like, okay. So we kind of took more of a psychodynamic um, attachment base. We looked at relationships and we, and we looked at that for quite a while. And I kind of said at the very start, you know, it's still something that I, I use. I use chairs. Um, and I understand that you said you don't want to. I would like to just keep it on our shelf. And if anything comes up, like an inner critic or unfinished business or things like that, could we look at it again? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. You know but let me know when you're going to take it off the shelf. And I was like, that's absolutely fine. And it did come down to quite a harsh inner critic that they had. And I feel that when it comes down to inner critic kind of um, processes that people have, which is, you know, the inside voice is kind of saying, you're crap, you're not good enough, you know, keep doing better, what's wrong with you? I would use a chair dialogue to separate that out. 
I like using that. Again, everyone's different in, in, in an integrative approach. Mm. And it came down to that. And I just kind of said to the client, we've come to that inner critic voice. And I was like, I feel like taking the chair work off the shelf and using it. And we took our time to kind of look at what, what their fear was of the, of the chair work, what they thought could happen, the scariness, the fear of everything's going to come out and I'm not going to be able to handle it. And we kind of used almost half a session to kind of go, okay, this is how it works. This is what I do in that moment. I, I help out, you know, you're not alone in it. And the next session we would, we use the chair to kind of divide that, that inner critic. So I think it's integrative is individual to the therapist. Um, but I think it's kind of, I think an integrative therapist is really cool because they have shelves. It's kind of how I always have it in my mind is that when you walk into their office, they've got a shelf full of different exercises, full of different theories, full of different modalities that they can kind of go, Hmm, there was something there about that, that piece around the family. I'm going to use a genogram and help this client kind of map out their family. So I think that integrative is a shelf full of spices and they choose what they feel is going to help the client explore, help the client process, help the client bring into awareness and kind of come through that experience. It's interesting you say that because it sounds like with that client as an example, they went somewhere where they were the other therapist was a purist yeah. and whatever it was about that didn't fit well with the client. No. Yet, if someone's a purist, like that's what they do. That's what they right? do. Yeah. And there can be situations where that won't be helpful, right? Let's take yeah. a very structured approach. For example, you have twelve sessions. You want to focus on this, and session three, something comes up that Absolutely. maybe the client didn't even think about before. They yes. thought, oh, like this feeling. Actually, I remember this from this thing, and yes. suddenly something pops up. Yeah. Is that where the maybe integration or someone who's trained in multiple modalities yeah. can kind of go off script or yes. say, this isn't part of the program. I'm going to use different and a different approach here yeah. because this is like, if I just continued on my way, this other piece that's come up won't get addressed. Yeah. Yeah. So there's value to, I guess, being trained in multiple modalities, obviously, yeah. but also just there's value in being flexible some of the time. Yes. Yeah. What about as the client again, this is probably asked to you far mm -hmm. more than it is asked to me, but do you do X? And the yes. buzzword at the moment is, do you do CBT? Yeah. For example, like when I get asked to do a, a talk for a, a corporate or, you know, a business, yeah. they won't ask me for a mental health talk. They'll ask me for a CBT talk mm -hmm. or, you know, someone will get in touch saying, I want a CBT. Mm -hmm. Um, as the client who is potentially looking for a certain modality, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to them? Because I guess from my perspective, and this could be totally wrong, I think, again, collaboration is really important. But as the, as the client, I think it's important to talk with and somewhat trust that the qualified practitioner will, with you, decide on what's best for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean... I think one thing is the, the online world is 
what it is. And so CBT, again, is thrown around a lot. And maybe sometimes I hear some clients going, are you psychoanalytical as well? So I think because, you know, Freud's pretty big, <laughs> came we all came from there. But I think that whenever they go, do you do? Um, I would say I do do. But what do you think is CBT? And I kind of put it back to them because I want to know, because I've, I've had actual clients come going, okay, I want CBT. And I'm like, okay, great. What is CBT to you? What do you think it's, it's going to help with? And they go, I have no clue. My GP told me. Okay. So, you know, sometimes it's just kind of going, someone told me that this is going to help me. So I'm asking for it. Um, but sometimes they go, I think it's something about like my, my thoughts. And so I think that no matter what they ask in, in regards to like, what do you do? And if they come to you, like, do you do, I know compassion focused therapy is also getting quite a good press online. So you get a lot of, do you do CFT? And again, it's just kind of going, what do you think that is? So I kind of pose it back to the client. I want to know what they know about it. I want to know if they've got some sort of education, were they referred? What do they understand is CBT? EFT, CFT, what do they understand is that? And, and if, they, if they come back with, like, I've no idea, yeah. where does it go then? Is it like, okay, let's talk about what you feel like you need? There's that, but it's also like kind of, you know, I would say, let's look at, you know, can we kind of do an intake session? You know, tell me what's been going on, what's brought you to therapy, you know, what's going on for you. And then to kind of, go back to them, I talk to them about what CBT is, you know, because they've come in going, do you do CBT? And maybe they've come back to me saying all this other stuff that I'm kind of going, oh my God, I think a whole different modality would be really good. I still want them to feel rest assured as to why I'm doing that. So I come back and I go, this is what CBT is. This is what we would be doing in CBT. And one thing that I learned with CBT is I often ask the question that even though they're like, yep, 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 I'm in for it, let's do CBT. I'm like, are you willing to do the homework in between the sessions? I'm gonna give you sheets of paper. I need you to kind of, you know, monitor your anxiety. And some people are busy, (laughs) like they're just busy. And there's, that's no, you know, mom of three, you know, looking at me going, uh, no, like I barely carve out time for this, this spot. And so it's kind of looking at as well, is there any way that we can incorporate little tiny bits of homework or are people just really not able to, can we do something else as well? So it's really giving them the rundown of what CBT is. Is this something that you're still wanting? It's also my assessment. Is this something that's going to fit? And if it's not going to fit, can I introduce you to something else that I might, that I'm kind of thinking of using? Okay. So you might introduce, you know, this is what CBT is, but also for the particular thing that's going on for you, we might also use X, Y, and Z. What do you think of X, Y, and Z? Yeah. Yeah. Why is it, uh, I'm aware we're, we're coming close to time, but I really want your views on this. Why is it, do you think CBT is so popular? And yeah. such a, a buzzword because it is. Yeah. Um, like very few therapists will have been asked, do you do psychodynamic? Oh yeah. <laughs> Whereas so many therapists yeah. will have been asked, do you do CBT? Where does that yeah. rise in popularity come from? Do you think? It's like, again, we have to go back to the research of it. 
it's so structured. Like anyone can be taught it. And because of that, CBT has come out in online therapies, right? Silver Cloud is an online therapy and it's CBT. BetterHelp is online therapy and it's CBT. And so I think that it kind of almost leaked into pop culture. And I find it really interesting that now we have people who kind of do some sort of coaching counseling, which is CBT. And I read a couple of books and I was, so there was, there's the kind of the, the trilogy book from Sarah Knight. That's kind of like how to get your stuff. I won't say the real word, how to get your stuff together, how to not care about what people think of you and things like that. And I picked up one of those books and I was thinking, oh great. Like she's going to kind of talk about her life and and all that. And it was her life with additive worksheets, CBT worksheets. And then there's someone called Mark Manson, who is also kind of coach. I think I know that name. Yeah, not, I I, I actually looked him up because I was kind of wondering, I was like, gosh, he's got a lot of knowledge about CBT. And I really looked at his biography and there was no therapy, there was no nothing, but a lot of CBT work. It's come out into pop culture it's very applicable and it's very easy to kind of replicate. It's like a, a tangible thing that you can do absolutely, rather than uh, going through a process necessarily. Yes. It's, yeah. it's like you're talking about worksheets, you're talking about pot challenging. Yeah. They're all just activities that you do, yeah. whereas some of the other stuff sounds very, a little bit more abstract, a little bit more exploratory, a little bit more, you know, doesn't have a structure and goes yeah. where yeah. the sessions take you. Again, you know, it, it's sometimes I like I'm on social media and it almost looks like it's CBT versus Freud and Freud's become a meme. Okay. So you're obviously kind of almost kind of projected to write CBTs the way. It must be CBT if Freud is the alternative. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a tough one. Um, it is. Any kind of advice that you would give to people who are considering therapy or anything you yeah. want people to yeah. kind of leave with? Yeah. So my impression of therapy is that it's really important and that we need to start taking it really serious. And when I say that, I mean, when you're looking for your therapist, look for your therapist the way that you look for your GP or your specialized consultants. You need to ask the questions. When people go for GPs, they're going, do they have like dermatological, you know, uh, advancement? Do they know about women's health? Do they know about RESP? respiratory issues. I need someone who knows a little bit about this. And you kind of search and search and search. So I don't feel like sometimes people do that with therapists. So I would definitely say, do some research. Okay. I know you want CBT so badly, but give Google a little bit of search as to other psychotherapeutic methods, you know, other modalities of therapy, give a little bit of a research online then you know with that when you're looking up for a therapist i think all therapists in their bios will have what how they work you know what they do and things like that there you go now you have an idea you've learned a little bit about compassion focused therapy and you're kind of going oh this is what i need i'm you know this is actually it i don't need cbt i need that look for someone you know then you can put in cft therapist in dublin yeah. It's going to pop up. 
It's so interesting that you say that because like one, for example, the same presentation might come up in two people in terms of two people might be anxious. Yeah. One might be perfect for CBT, but yeah. the person with the same anxiety might stem from something else that another modality yeah. might be useful for. So, you know, you hear X is good for anxiety. That anxiety, the reason for it might yeah. come from a totally different place that something else would be helpful for. So Absolutely. what you're saying is it's important to be open-minded when, when going. Yeah. And reflect. So before you start uh, therapy, I would say take a moment for yourself, journal, voice record, something, talk to someone about why you believe you're going to therapy. Have it out in the open with yourself for a little bit. You know, why are you going to therapy? Is it because some GP said, look, you seem a bit anxious here's a number for a therapist. Do you want to go? And if you do want to go, why do you want to go? What is it that you are hoping to get from therapy? So just a little bit of reflection, five minutes. As you're looking for a therapist, what are, what do you need? What do you want? What are you hoping to get from therapy? And then because I think sometimes people feel like they don't have the, their own autonomy because when we go to GPs or any mental health or health practitioner, we sit there and we're like, they're the expert, they know. Use that initial appointment for yourself. Let your therapist know what it is that you want. Let your therapist know that you're not, you don't like that modality. You've read about it, you don't really like it. Is there anything else that you guys can do? And additionally, you know, know your own preferences. Because I think sometimes people are like, oh, I'll just whoever's available, that's fine. And they end up not being feeling comfortable with a male therapist because their issues might be really, you know, female orientated. They might not feel comfortable with, you know, the time that's been given to them. So use that initial assessment or the initial session and ask your questions. State what you know you know, ask, ask them questions. Where's your qualification from? What, you know, we're okay with that. As therapists, we're totally okay yeah, well, with that. Well, we know how hard it is to find one, right? I, oh my God. Yes. So, <laughs> so, you know, do your own due diligence for yourself. Kind of prep yourself because this is a big relationship that you're going to have. Um, and it's important to, you know, give it some time, give it some space. But I think it's more about research, reflect, and then when it comes down to the actual session with a therapist, don't be afraid to kind of speak your mind, say what you need, what you want, what you're looking for. Sarah, I think that's a really nice note to finish on. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> firstly, I really appreciate your time. And secondly, I really appreciate your insight. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot from that. Um, it's certainly been dived into a lot more than I've ever dived into it. So um, <laughs> I've learned a lot and I'm sure everyone else will. So thank you so much for- Oh for no, thank on. you. I think it was really, it's a hot topic um, and I'm, I'm really happy to have talked about it. So thanks. Amazing, thank you.